0: Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond, I'm your host Justin, I'm here with Jason, I'm here with Dan, we got the crew all together. Dan, we missed you last week because you were at, a little bit of a spoiler alert, Kuba in San Francisco, so welcome back.
1: Thank you, it's good to be back, missed you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got an interesting show for everybody. Yes, I think he did, I think he did,
1: although he didn't message us once or send
0: us any pictures. Not once,
2: no pictures
1: yeah uh, there's but there are many tales to tell without the pictures
0: well i guess what happens at Kublicon stays at Kublacon jason well mm, I yeah
1: <laughs> i have some i can post some i just you know haven't let's see sir sorry. Okay. sorry yeah well like i was saying we have a great
0: show for you guys today we are going to be talking about rpg mechanics that we hate um normally we like all of the different mechanics we like playing lots of different systems and trying things out we like goofy initiative things and we of course love grappling just kidding we don't love grappling mechanics but uh there are other ones nobody loves grappling mechanics nobody loves it
2: person playing the monk
0: right exactly and uh there are um there are mechanics that we really don't like that we're going to talk about today but first of course first and foremost Geek week. How was your geek week, Dan? Why don't you kick us off? I think you have the biggest one.
1: Oh man, I've got like six geek week stuff. Six weeks of geek week. Um, Kubla Khan was fantastic. It's in the San Francisco Bay area. It is on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, They have a quick Thursday night registration and then they go from Friday to Monday. Um, They use the Hyatt Regency. There's about 3,000 people at the con. There's another building that had uh, Warhammer tournaments and stuff. I never made it over there, sadly, because I was doing other things. Uh, Kubicon, I'm gonna say, in my opinion, I'm gonna put it up for the most family-friendly convention in America. I said it out loud. Most family-friendly. They have a kids' room from young to thir- young to thirteen, uh, young to uh, young ages. I'm sure it's like four, five, or six. Up to 12. And those ladies run that kids' room like it's heaven on earth. After two days, I brought my 10 year old with me, my 10 year old son. He was there with his 12 year old cousin. And on the second day, he was hugging the ladies and saying goodbye and being sad that he wouldn't be there for the rest of the convention. Um, they do so many fun things. It's so engaging. They, they incentivize the kids with Kublai Khan bucks and they take them on parades and get them dressed in armor and they go interrupt gamers trying to do serious gaming, uh, wow, yell, nice. yelling That's Kublai cool. Khan. Yeah. I can't, I cannot say enough amazing things about how family friendly that particular convention is. Um, you, there's rules about checking your kids in and out that are, that are parent based. It's all really great stuff. And it's, um, it's,
2: it's in the where? It's
1: in San Francisco area. It's in oh. Burlingame, which is, it's in the, it's in the airport. If you've flown in and out of SFO, you've yeah. been Bur- Burlingame.
2: It's actually not a hard airport to get in and out of.
1: No, no. And so you never really get into like the piers or anything like that. So mm. I did one of those conventions where I said, because I was invited to come and it's really my brother Nate's who's been on the show. It's really his, his thing. He had leftover tickets. He had rolled over and rolled over and rolled over because of COVID. So he had extra tickets. That's how we got there. And um, we I did whatever he wanted to do. And so the cool thing about Kublicon is that if you don't know what you want to do, you can bring your own board games. There's people walking around with dollies with six or eight or nine big board games. And you set up and you put a flag on your table and you wait for players to come sit down and then you start playing the game. Huh. Fantastic. So great for impromptu board gaming very exceptional impromptu board board gaming and the hotel space is in this beautiful atrium in the hotel. It's, it's fantastic. We were going to do that, but at the last minute, his buddy was like, well, you never get to do those awesome historical games. He like all those naval combat things. You're like, he's like, you're right. I need to do naval combat. And so we did (laughs) hour after hour after hour of World War II naval combat on a 16 foot by six foot board. And then the next day we did Ships of the Line, Battle of Trafalgar. And then I had to go. We did some other games on the periphery. We did um, Wings of Glory in a big group. My son and his cousin loved that. They they had a great time with Wings of Glory. Um, And we also did Car Wars, which was a blast, the latest additional Car Wars. I, I give that two thumbs up. However, historical gamers are cool. They are fun. They're nice guys. They want you to... Learn their system. Their systems are always tech crunchy. They like long turns. They like long game, long games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also like running the sim. They're there to run the situation. They're like, okay, now we're going to yeah. do an alternate version of the Battle of Trafalgar. What if it went like this? Where they're going to do an alternate version of another battle where the British got caught by Japanese planes. And I think the rule set we used was General Quarters Three for that World War ii era um, naval combat. And they said, okay, instead of the Japanese fighters coming through and sinking all these British ships, what if we they got into a a conventional naval, you know, uh, you know, cannon uh, scenario? That means, guys, if you're doing historical games, they're not symmetric.
3: Oh, they're 100 percent asymmetric.
1: Symmetric. So you quickly have to figure out which side won in real life and join join that. If you care about winning, if you're gonna be join <laughs> the side that won in real life. The other thing is that um they're not as interested in you having fun as much as they are running the sim in the hall.
3: Totally. And yep.
1: so I was in two games back-to-back where my ships were not on the boat board for hours. They're like, oh, your ships don't come in until later in the scenario. So uh-huh. <laughs> like, you're almost in. You're almost in in about eight turns, and they opened up the dealer hall. I'm like, I'm going to the dealer hall. And I went to the dealer hall in the middle of the game. Like, I'm serious. And so in the Battle of Trafalgar one, which was Ships of the Line, that one we weren't allowed to touch the guy's minis. Because he oh. had... He had these like uh, two-and-a-half-inch long by about an inch-and-a-half tall ships, specific, named, and he had individually glued in the rigging for the ropes. Oh, my gosh. We were not allowed to touch his minis. Fine. Still played that game. Drove me absolutely insane. Once again, I was not on the board for two hours until after it started. But you have to go along with that. You have to be like, I'm doing historical gaming. Yeah. And this is part of the fun. And if it's not part of that, somewhere behind four hours of World War II not playing and two and a half hours of Ships of the Line not playing, my morale broke personally as a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> I was gung ho for six hours, guys. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere around <laughs> six and a half hours, I was like, you've lost my interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've lost my interest, but nice guys, good guys. I I, I, th- I like historical gamers. They're really, they're good people. They're just there for a different kind of fun. And you have to be there for their fun. They're not there for your fun. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay. And we can all be accepting of diversity in gaming, but yeah.
2: yeah. Let, let me, let me paint you a picture here. Literally with Microsoft paint. <laughs> okay, so wow. years ago, I went over to a buddy's house. who's big in historical game and I never played it. So, Come over and play a historical war game. And it's amazing. So this is the map right we'll just say that's the map of the geographical area right so I was playing I don't even know what time it was I was like Prussia yeah right okay and so he, this whole map was made into like little you know Acagons or whatever you know hex squares so I I came in the whole map's laid out and he's got all the people set up and like, guys who am I playing he says you're playing these guys that was it the entire rest of the map was all him and for three hours, all I did was sit in these three squares and roll dice to fend off his guys that were invading into that land for three hours. Never moved. Never moved. At all. Just sat there <laughs> for three I hours. Never- so I was like, you invited me to come over and basically just roll the dice against you and just sit here. And, dude, it was – it might have been the last historical minis game that I've ever played.
1: Yeah. But, it's, it, it, and, and if you don't know what you're in for I – mean, you, Just you,
2: that was my Aries, And the rest of it was all him. So, yeah
1: but... know thyself know what you like in a game yeah. if you if you know you're not gonna uh, drive with that, don't do it. So Nate thought the next day he was gonna do Armada with his son. He's like, well it's Star Wars we're gonna have some ships and some fighters we're gonna mess it up. mix it up. It's gonna be great. They did it on a too big of a map. They had seven players, everybody against everybody oh. and oh. they individually plot and everybody had too many ships and they individually plotted every single oh. movement. And he had the exact same problem in Star Wars because the scenario was not designed very well. He's like, I've been playing this game for about three and a half hours. I've moved eighteen inches on the map and have not engaged with anybody. Yeah, the same thing can happen in non-historical games. Sure. Um, and so that's that was my Geek Week. Kublicon was great. <laughs> I still give it thumbs up. It was still awesome. Uh, I, I did other games too besides those, but those were the big time sucks. So Um, you
0: mentioned, Dan, you mentioned Warhammer was in a different building. That was actually the Bay Area Open, which is one of the major Warhammer events of the year. You can win kind of the golden ticket to the world championships um, at that event. So it was probably pretty well attended, I imagine.
1: Yeah, I I know that there weren't 3,000 people in the building I was in. There was like a Mm -hmm. missing... Missy, there was hundreds of people missing, and then I felt like yeah. they were they would be over there. And look, I was on there looking at like Star Wars Legion and other games that were competitive, and I was getting a little wistful. And I'm like, oh, I can't play any of these. I'm getting on an airplane. So anyway, that was my geek week. Kubicon. go to different conventions, guys. Every yep. th- here's one other last thing about Kubicon. The only t- other time I went in oh, it was in 2006. Between 06 and 2023, it felt like the same vibe. Hmm. It was a very similar vibe. So you guys always, we should always be trying to go to different connection, conventions to find different vibes. Because I, I think they've done a great job of preserving their Kubla Khan thing, which is unique from everybody else. So uh, I, I recommend it for folks in the California area during Memorial Day. And it's always cool. Memorial Day. They don't reschedule it. It's always Memorial Day. So. Nice. All right, very good. That was my very long geek week, but I went to a damn convention, so that's why.
2: So wait, does it go over Memorial Day or just Memorial the weekend? Yeah, it's Memorial Day.
1: It goes into the it's uh, Friday to Monday,
3: and Friday you can Monday, you can
1: okay. show up on Thursday night for a couple hours. I'm not going to get into my gripes about convention planning um, or organization. I think we've been to a lot more Type A type organize very organized things. They they struggled with it. But I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna air. I'm not gonna air my gripes because I don't like negativity on the internet. I, I try to avoid that. So, I do recommend it, even with the bumps of the road.
2: Cool. Good. Very good. All right, Jason. How was your Geek Week? I put together my. I decided on my next war band for Warcry. It's the yeah. Askergon Truebloods, the mm. Monk uh, Monk vampires. I normally I heard don't the tooth like. Toothberry came. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh so uh blood hunt is the box that they come in right with the um with the horn, uh claws of karnak or something like that yep. the, the corn guys and justin you had it on the shelf so i was like hey do you have this so like yeah i was like well let me just take it off your hands because it's obviously you're obviously not not going to paint it
0: not uh immediately anytime
2: soon right. <laughs> so i have other things in the
0: hopper yes thank you very yes, much yes. for pointing that out uh
2: so i go to work uh I think I asked you over the weekend, was like, can I swing by and get it? But it never worked out. And then I came yeah. home from work and I was so tired. I came home, went upstairs. I literally like fell on backwards onto my bed with holding my phone. I saw you right at that moment. You said, Hey, did you take a nap? And I was like, I literally just fell on my bed. You're like, Oh, huh?" did the tooth fairy come? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I, just, I, at that point I just put my phone down and like, didn't even respond to you. And then like, I'm falling asleep. Finally, my daughter comes in and says, Hey dad, there's something under your pillow. and like the whole box was under my pillow like i just laid my head down on top of it
0: it was a box like like this i know (laughs) like it's not a small box like it's the size of a pillow yeah. The whole thing. And it it's hard and pointy.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you guys yeah, have a very people, weird relationship. They put my pillow over top of it. My pillow. <laughs> I have a soft pillow, I guess. I laid down. I didn't even notice it. I just like fell asleep immediately. And then, and then my kid had to come jog me. And then I pulled up your phone. I was like, that's what you mean, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I delivered the box, and his daughter was coming home from school right at that same time. And I said, I need you to put this under your dad's pillow. And she's like, what? I'm like, I need you to put this under, not on top of, under his pillow. And she just gave me a look of like, okay, weirdo, but I'll do it since you're my dad's friend. you know. (laughs) (laughs) So she took it in. And then um, Jason's wife literally called me like 10 minutes later and was like, so what is the deal with this? I was like, oh, Jason's (laughs) taking this off my hands. And she's like, and you want it under his pillow. I go, that's right.
1: <laughs> I'm self editing I'm self-editing so many jokes right now yeah if good. we were not recording good. I would be skewering you guys
2: good good
1: so yeah it was good though
2: yeah but, so that was that was first I assembled the asstroons um I'm excited to play them um and figure out how that goes I'm not 100 convinced that I am really gonna stick to their playstyle, but I want to figure out what that playstyle is, because so I want to do something different than my ogres, where I'm just running around smashing things. Uh, I like tactical stuff, so I'm curious to see how this goes. I tried the Slaves to Darkness a little while ago, um, but I feel like they just did not hit hard enough. Like, all their profiles were just a little too less to be able to just kill something when I needed to kill it. These guys... Um... These guys are kind of the same in terms of like they're like toughness for they've got like 18 to 20 some wounds, but they hit They only have like two to three attacks, but they hit a lot harder. They have like four, six profile right on yeah. their damage. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, um, you know, using abilities and buffs to get in there and, and be a little more tactful. Um, I did force myself on the uh, they don't really have chaff because their they're smaller guys are like 90 points, which is kind of mm. high for a mm-hmm. for a chaff. I mean, it's below 100, but it's a little expensive. But I forced myself to do, you can do two different uh, options on the build. You can do one option that is a, uh, just a big sword that's like range one inch that does, I think like two five damage, mm-hmm. two tacks. Um, or you can build it with a range three inch whip uh two attacks one four. Oh no, it's three attacks one four. Mm. So I forced all my little guys are range three or the range three oh, guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make that how I learned to play with these guys is using them to be out of engaged range, but be able to get in there and and try to do those little uh you know uh uh death by a thousand cuts
3: mm-hmm.
2: kind of a thing. So I'm trying to play I'm trying to do a little bit of a different play style. So I'm excited for these guys. So that was my first Part of the Geek Week. The next part, uh, and I'll I'll share my screen here. Is I actually put the um, I put the uh, uh, oil wash on my uh, ATST for Star Wars Legion. So let me share my window here. We sh- I shared this last time. These are this is the before picture, right? Mm-hmm. That we saw yep. last week, and then this is the after picture. Wow! So I really am happy with this, how That's this turned out. Right. Accurate. So once again, before and after. Nice. I think it looks
0: really good um it's amazing what that when that oil wash settles in those crevices like yeah. really how it makes it pop right
2: yeah it really helps I think add um, you know a sense of uh, real wear I still need to put the snow on the base uh, since it's all of my stuff's a snow theme um, I don't know if I'm gonna put any snow on the actual model. Though or not, I'm just gonna do the base and see how I feel because I really kind of like the model the way it looks. I wouldn't like it. it. Stop,
0: stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put snow on it. And really, we're like snow's gonna rest on that thing. Like they would be brushing that off because it's like the hatch on the top. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they'd be brushing that off to get in it into it. So yeah,
2: um,
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't put
1: snow on it. Yeah, you know, I picked up an oil based um rust from AK when I was at Kubicon. Um, AK Interactive, Interactive, and uh, I'm looking forward to using that on my my, uh, soon-to-be-painted speeder tank. Oh,
0: cool.
1: Yeah, and uh, right now it's primed. It's painted on the inside. You know why you can't see it? Because don't waste time painting the inside of the cockpits because you can barely see your paint job. So I did a really sloppy job on the inside. Thank you, Army Painter Speed Paint, because I slapped it on. (laughs) but if you if you put a flashlight in there and look in you can still see but yeah Uh, vehicles are a lot of fun i'm getting thank you for showing your vehicle jay that was awesome
2: yeah it's a lot of fun to paint i'll tell you this i did it took me a while to get happy with the paint here's the funny thing right i tried so many different paints and colors of gray and shades and everything using all my expensive paints. You know what I ended up using on that stuff? Was the freaking Apple barrel stuff up from Walmart is what I ended up <laughs> And I got exactly what I wanted with it. So yeah. I was like, you know what? All right. You know, 97 cent jug of paint and then like, you know, a $4 like tube of oil from Hobby Lobby. So the,
0: um, the interesting thing is people will crap on, you know, the Apple bottom, Apple bottom apple bottom jeans the the bottom of the barrel
3: Apple barrel they'll they'll
0: kind of crap on the apple apple crate paints um which like if you're using a small brush and you're trying to paint fine detail i agree with that because when you get it super thin down like it'll start to break apart the pigments will start to separate um with how you need to paint like your miniature with a brush but if you're blowing that thing through an airbrush that's a completely different story yeah totally you know and so, if you yep. can get it through your airbrush, well, you got to thin it down with, uh, paint, you know, the airbrush thinner and stuff like that. But yep. if you can get it thin down, then it's a different story than um, painting it like by hand. So yeah, because
2: the airbrush, um, the airbrush thinner is a medium that keeps right. the pigment from separating. So that helped mm-hmm. a lot. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. Yeah. That was me.
0: Cool. Uh, mine was. Mine was not super eventful i have been playing i think i talked about this a little bit last week but i've I've been playing sea of thieves still a little bit more this has kind of been my um uh go-to let's just have fun on the xbox and decompress a little bit while i'm waiting for diablo 4 which i will have free access to tomorrow night at 7 p.m because i ended up ordering the mid-tier the like ultra digital digital
2: mid-tier Yeah, exactly (laughs)
0: yeah I think you got the digital deluxe right which is like not the ultimate platinum or something like that, whatever it is. Yeah. So I guess this I got tier two, right um, and mostly because it unlocked um, the um, the battle pass for the season or whatever it is, I, it sounds like Diablo's gonna be using a battle pass that's similar to like Fortnite in their seasons where you'll have cosmetics and upgrades and things like that that you can mm-hmm. have if you get the battle pass. You don't have to have it. You can grind without yeah. it, you know, but um, it'll give you access to certain certain things if you do have it. I wanted to see what it was like, so I got that one instead of the other one, um, the the base version, and it gave me four days to play it. Before it comes out, so at seven PM tomorrow night, I'll be able to play Diablo, and I was super excited about that until my wife informed me that we have tickets to a play in Richmond that starts at seven PM tomorrow night. So that's an hour (laughs) and a half away. You'll love it. Yeah, yeah. When
2: uh, when when Destiny One released, well, there was the beta, and Mm -hmm. well, some people would argue that the entire time it was up, it was a beta. But you know, the there was the real beta, and then. I think everybody's character reset on day one. Yes, it did. On day one, I had a business trip pop and I was gone for a week. And when I came back, all of my friends were way leveled out with gear and everything. And I had to like play catch up by myself. I had to play the game like by myself for like two weeks to like (laughs) be up to where they were to be able to. Nice. It's just like, I fell so far behind, but, uh, I'm curious uh, to see how the uh the battle pass thing works. Um that'll be cool. I I have totally high expectations for this game. I do uh, too. You know, and I, you know, I, that might
0: know. be dangerous, but I do too. Dude, you know? it I mean, so. they
2: I know some they've never gone wrong with Diablo in my mind. Right. Even even when Diablo 3 first came out and people got all like up in arms about the auction house on the computer, yeah. you know, it dude it was still like a amazing game right yeah it's absolutely just ignore the auction house you know? and then
0: it just got even better with all the seasonal yeah. stuff the that they seasonal did stuff
2: that. was so amazing yeah such a good game so
0: um i think they learned a lot of good lessons Um, uh, my daughter and i just finished a Di- uh, diablo 3 seasonal character like a couple weeks ago so she's like super excited to do the local co-op with diablo 4 so i'm excited which,
2: which classes did you play
0: uh, I played the monk just because that's one I hadn't played in a long time. Okay, it's not grappling? my favorite class. Like it's not my favorite. But she ended up playing the demon hunter as well. So demon
2: hunter's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah demon hunter is a good one.
2: Yeah. Witch doctor so. was my first class I ever played. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, and then my next one I played was um. What's the? It's it's not called mage or wizard. What do they call it in that game? Uh, wizard. I'm, sp- wizard. I'm Spacing. Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun, and then I played.
0: Or is it sorcerer, sorcerer,
2: sorcerer, sorcerer? Man, has too many games, yep. too many fantasy games, and it's too many, too many ways to refer to the same thing. Except every exactly. fantasy series has barbarian. You know
3: <laughs> that's true.
2: <laughs> but anyways, great game.
0: Totally. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And but like I said, I've been playing Sea of Thieves, and um, it's funny because like now I th- Jason, you played with me on Friday, yeah, was it Friday night, yeah. Uh,
2: it was one of the nights this yeah. week
0: friday saturday night one of those nights but um we had a we had a good time we had a good time playing i'm getting to the point now where it's like i'm super good with the ships and like getting around and like i said before it's like one of those games where you like you actually level up by actually getting better in the game like you don't actually like your character doesn't level up you as a person like in learning like okay i need to raise my sails now i need to drop the anchor now like it's great to, to play
2: with you because yeah. it's one of those games where, like, I can play that game and not and not have to, like, think because Justin will just tell me when I'm supposed to raise the sail. <laughs> That's right. it's Like, I'm hey, like... Jake, can you raise the sail? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> yeah. Bring it down now. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, like, sitting out on the porch with my eyeglass just, like, looking out at the water.
0: That's right. Just spotted out a couple of ships, which is good. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So, anyway. Um, all right. Sweet. That was a uh, pretty good geek week, guys. Uh, let's talk about uh you know our next segment which is the geek news.
1: That's that's all I got. That that's almost got. Ended, that almost sounded like is, the muppets. Did this
0: we to... is the post Bolsukhin <laughs> tech that we got here.
1: Oh man, don't don't make me go sorting for an audio drop and have me <laughs> drop it terribly. Um just one little news item um the 2023 nominees for the prestigious Spiel, Spiel des Jahres Award for Tabletop Board Gaming were announced this week. This is the big uh, gaming um, awards. Uh, this is a very big deal um, in over in Europe. So this is the German awards for the best board games. And so there are three nominees. The first one is called Challengers. Um it uh, it is a fast pass fast paced deck management game, um, and it has dinosaurs and other crazy characters in there too. So um, it looks interesting, um, and it is from ga- uh, ages ten and up. And so that is a nominee. The other one is Iki, which is a samurai based game. Um, it is one year in Edo, Japan. Play 12 rounds with a new deck of cards used in each season, changing the occupations and effects you experience throughout the year. Higher in return. I've seen this
2: one, yeah. Tour the
1: market. Uh, it's got beautiful illustrations, it's good stuff. That one is also nominated for Game of the Year. Game of the Year, and the third one yeah. is called Planet Unknown. This is a uh, develop and colonize your planet with oddly shaped tiles uh, served on a rotating tray. So huh. this the gimmick here is it has a cool weird little tray and you've got to put together your um, colon. You have to colonize your planet and make all the tiles work together in, in a useful way. Hmm.
0: It looks like so, a hmm. terraforming Mars with that twist that you talked about with
1: kind of the spinner that you have in the game of life, except there's tiles. No, I I don't know. I've never played these. These of course, these are nominated things. And, um, uh, yeah. So be looking out for those, uh, being, uh, if you get one of these awards, they will reprint the box Mm -hmm. with the award on there. It's a really, it's a big deal. Even, Even in the US, I have a couple of games on my shelf right now that I've seen this logo on for game of the year. So Um, the first one was from uh, Challengers was from uh, One More Time Games. Iki was from Sorry, We Are French and Planet Unknown was from Adam's Apple Games. So
0: I was going through the pictures on board game geek or right. That are linked in the article that you were mm-hmm. uh, reading from. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the pictures that caught my eye. And I think it's super interesting because this is a screenshot from a uh, tabletop simulator. And yeah. uh, how interesting is it that these people are um, using tabletop simulator to play test their games or introduce their games Um, like it, it just, you know, we, we had done a whole thing on tabletop simulator before or before in a previous episode, but I just feel like it's interesting that, you know, that, that system still is a part of the gaming fabric today, even though like we've all sort of gone back to gaming with friends in person and stuff like that, that these developers will use it to really, you know, crunch test their, their games and stuff. So kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this has a very Tetrisy feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch Tetris on Apple uh, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, see, there's there, yeah. So it's interesting. There's um, that
0: platform you're talking about right there.
1: Yeah, the platform in the middle. I don't know enough about it. I'm just, I just report the news. I don't play every one of these games, but I like yeah. them all because they're all wonderful. Yeah. All right, that's the news. Moving right along.
0: Awesome. 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 All right. Thank you so much. Let's get to our main topic of the night, which is the RPG mechanics that we hate. And even if we don't hate them, that we just really, really, really dislike. So, so today's a gripe we, session. Yeah, exactly. Arr. We're gonna gripe here. We're gonna we're gonna bent. We're gonna jam a little bit. And, it's the uh, internet.
1: We're gonna complain on the internet like no one has ever done that before. <laughs> exactly.
0: So we're gonna get We're gonna put on our grumpy old men hats and uh, you know shake our shake our hands at the or shake our fists at the sun of RPG development. Right. So, um, let's let's uh, we, we've all kind of come up with a list of things that uh, we are not crazy about. And I'll, I'll start with my first one. Um, my first one that we have, it actually comes from one of my favorite RPG games that I love, Mm -hmm. but I just, I don't love this mechanic in there. And I, I don't know that there's an alternative though. It's the dodge mechanic. Um, so when you're fighting, um, the way that it works in Warhammer, like a, like you're in a fist fight or you're hitting with a club or something like that. Right. You rolled a year hit, and you have your target number that you're hitting. And so, like, in Cthulhu, it's probably something like you have to roll under a 25. Because that's just how you're a normal person, right? you got to roll under a 25. And so, like, I was playing in a game where a dude rolled a, like, a 1. Like, a 1. Which is, like like, an amazing, critical, like, above and beyond success with that, right? And then my guy um gets to do it and he rolls a dodge. Now, because of the dodge, oh actually sorry, he didn't roll a 1. He rolled really high though. He rolled like a 10. I rolled a dodge that was like a 3. So I rolled a better dodge and he so because of that he missed completely. Um and he's like, "Dude, I rolled so well." And I'm like, "Yeah, my guy rolled well too." But it just really like there's several times that it just really took the wind out of the sails of the player who rolled super well to hit. And it's like, no, nope, you missed completely. It wasn't like, Oh, you got a partial hit or, Oh, you know, like something like that. It's just like, yeah, you whiffed. Sorry. You know, just because yeah. the dude just like dodged out of the way as you were like swinging the bat or and, whatever it
1: was. And you wasted all that precious time doing two yep. rolls, adjudicating it and complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that.
0: Honestly, Dan, like that was the worst part about it. And, I think this mechanic works okay. And I'm and I'm giving it the most strongest benefit of the doubt here. It works okay when players know how and when to do it. But most players that have played Cthulhu don't know how and when to roll a dodge. And so they're like, oh, wait, so I get a roll a dodge here. Okay. And then they roll it, then they gotta check their numbers. They yeah. gotta say, so wait, I got a better success than you got a better success. And then they have to like compare, and you're just like, dude, this just like. It's it, it just takes a long time and for like and what it does is the dodge ends up extending combat like really long. It can make for a really long session. And it's, it's mm-hmm. we saw this o- in our Warhammer game, like in our yeah, rogue yeah. trader game. The combat would just last so long because like, oh, I dodge, now I dodge, now I dodge. You yeah. know, especially if you got a, a player that's like heavy, high dodge, like our friend Nick invested heavily into dodge, so he was dodging everything,
1: you know. So, so. The only time that's a really good thing is when the game is so lethal, you're kind of like one hit dead. Yeah. Star Trek has a lot of that stuff. Like you get hit with a phaser hard, you're out, you're get your characters dead. Yeah. Right. And they have this game mechanic where you get one opportunity to just kind of hand wave one hit that came your way in every Mm -hmm. combat round, but that goes away. And the next time they come at you hard, you'll probably die. Yeah. You know, so yeah but yeah i can definitely see it dodge is good if you've dialed up the stakes the stakes if yeah. you're wearing super thick armor and you're dodging and it's like lame
0: well like, and to be yeah. fair i mean like you know you um you've got dodge um that is and and, and perry kind of falls in that too right perry dodge same and perry. same diff same it's the same yeah. same kind of mechanic um to be fair, like your hit points in Call of Cthulhu are like twelve, and like a gun can do like one d ten damage, yeah.
3: so like
0: it could. I mean, it may not kill you outright in the beginning, but it it's really gonna hurt you, you know. Mm. So, uh, which a gunshot should do, right? In theory, like if you're playing crunchy rules, but man, like it, you can dodge a you can dodge a bullet. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge <laughs> a bullet, you know. So, um, I mean, <laughs> like it's all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of anyway small. yeah exactly so that's a good one all right know. we, we yeah. let's dodge that question yeah all right uh, so
0: let's see uh dan you're up next what do you got for us um
1: you know what i i see the logic to it, it is using hit points or vitality points for spells or powers um old versions of D D, the three 3.5 if you were going to be casting a lot of spells you'd be spending vitality which is almost the equivalent of spending your hit points to do a thing, and I know it's really cinematic. It's really cute to see you know Grogu use a force power and then fall over asleep. But in actual gameplay, it's crazy annoying. It's super mm-hmm. annoying. Um, so I'm not a fan of it. And they a lot of systems have ditched the, that component. That that many systems have left that role in the in the rearview mirror. So. Because um, I know Pathfinder was a derivative of 3.5, so yeah. getting getting rid of the vitality as a as a battery to power stuff, I think, is lame. You find something else to power it. In my opinion, that's that's yeah. my gripe.
2: I think it works in systems that are uh, what's it called when like magic is scarce, high fantasy or yeah, it works in those systems where like magic is not supposed to come into play. Yeah, like but in like rare occasions and there's an extreme yeah. cost for it. But I
1: think that's I I could be wrong. I think low low, low fantasy low fantasy yeah. is when low and fantasy. if you're going to do a spell, you better want to do that spell.
2: Yeah. You're tapping into something that's not normally yeah. in your yeah.
0: I I've got to remember, but I think it was Bla- blackbirds aka svihander that I played in that you could cut yourself if you're doing magic to boost the chances of success, so it wasn't a necessary, um, like it wasn't necessary to cast a spell. But if you and wanted to be sure Frost that, that, that does thing that. would go off, oh, that's you know what? It's frostgrave. Frostgrave, yeah, frostgrave. yeah. So if you want to, if you want to boost the chances of that thing going off, you can cut yourself to do it. I it's like, like it. That.
2: It's like yeah. a. It's like a. You Know a drinking thing, it's like you're gonna cut, yeah, cut, yeah, you know, <laughs> right, All right. Exactly. because everyone's trying to get their spells <laughs> off, so
0: yeah, so you know, it's one of those things that it's like I, I, to- I agree that that shouldn't be the base currency of spell casting, Dan, you know, like um, having, having it cost your health or your mor- morale or your spirit, like whatever you, you're you tracking to stay awake, um, or you know, and or living. Like it shouldn't be your base currency, but I don't mind it when it can be used to boost it or augment it. Because like you're saying, like I am willing to sacrifice a little you're bit pushing. here to get to, to push my luck a bit more. Yeah, uh, sure. So, exactly. yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Cool. Jay,
2: what do you got? My first one is um, I'm actually going to switch my first one. I think overpowered classes has mm. been oh, one of my okay. biggest gripes ever when people make a system where you you can't pick all of the other classes because if you do, you're just underpowered relative to your other players. And mm. the biggest example of that was the Star Wars Galaxy or uh, Saga. Saga edition, yeah. If you were not a Jedi, you were nobody. You were nobody. Nobody in that You were system.
1: nobody. And the only and, way to get around it was to ban Jedi.
2: Yeah. That's and a it's broken not game. That, and it's not that... You sure you could role play, but yeah. when it came to adjudication, there was no reason for you to try to do it because your friend who's playing a Jedi should do it. Yeah. if you mm-hmm. if your party wanted to win, that's the problem. The mechanics destroyed the role play because if you wanted to win, you just let the Jedi guy roll the dice because and that he was, was going to be better at everything.
1: And that was because they decided to build that Star Wars system based off of three point five and what became. 4.0 D&D. so there if you're a jedi you're also the best melee fighter and you're also the only magic user and they had to combine yeah. bo- both of those in mm-hmm. an overpowered class it was yeah. just yeah. overpowered and so it was it was awful it became just a game to run jedi yep you, you didn't run anything else unless you said okay guys let's make characters no one is allowed to use the force don't go.
2: yeah i mean i think at one point i tried to you know in typical fashion i tried to rebel against that And I picked a soldier who specialized in like sniping, like specialized. And the only way I could get useful in a fight was I cross-classed into Jedi, so I could use the Force to help me shoot fat better. I know it was like it was just it was there was no way at that point. I was like the you know whatever.
1: Yeah, I sold. I had every book in the series. I sold them all (laughs) on (laughs) eBay. Yeah. That's a great one. All right, Justin, back
0: well, to you. So I just want I just want to add real quick. Uh, I I think that some of this still exists today in five E though, Jason. Um, they have a lot of the unearthed arcana and stuff that comes out that is sort of being play tested. But man, you can find some of these like mixed classes. Like uh, Mike, I'm going to call you out a little bit. Um, <laughs> our our friend uh, uh, Mike. He was playing in our D D campaign and his original character died. And then he had a monk and that was doing okay. And then he decided to switch again to another character. And um he's like, hey, can I use this? Um uh can I can I use this I don't even know if he used an unearthed arcana, but he ended up coming up with like a um paladin warlock. It was like
2: a paladin warlock. It was totally like yeah. a oh, broken it's broken. combo. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. and so he was doing like all sorts of crazy stuff with it. And it was like, I mean, in, in Warhammer parlance, we call that like net listing, like, you know, like you go out on the internet and you find like these, you know, on the forums and you kind of find Somebody these broke like the crazy game. combos yeah. that like are, are breaking the game. And yeah. um, I just, I think you can still do that. And so as a GM, um, I generally, I try to say, look, if it's in the source book, you can use it, right? Like if it's in a source book, you can use it now. That didn't help the Star Wars game that you guys played, right? Because the source book kind of created the problems. But no, and and
1: Jay, and Jay yeah. got me back because when we started our first five E, yeah. I found some bunch, bunch of unearthed Arcana that I wanted to I use said, on my nope. Warlock, and he's like, no, nope, you can't. I was like, why not, Jay? This is awesome. He's like, no, and yeah. it worked out great. But yeah, same. That 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 is one of those problems. Is and the other thing is some of those games. Um, it happens in a lot of RPGs where you have guys who will go buy the supplement that matches their character and helps them be better. And right. the DM mm-hmm. or GM never bought that supplement mm-hmm. or they never bought Xanatars. They don't know what combos you're trying to run yeah. or whatever. That happens all the time. Not as much as it used to with the like the hard splat books that we had in in three, three five, and 4.0 of D&D and yeah. a bunch of other RPGs. But yeah, that that's a very real real problem, which is kind of like I bought the book I'm gonna put this on my character DM, and if you don't like it, that you suck. yeah um, and I bend that player. you know, mm-hmm. you could just outspend your GM and your GM's like, I don't want to buy I don't want to buy a supplement for every time somebody wants to up, upgrade a class or multi. Mm-hmm. yeah so that, that's a that's a problem. And I think five e tried to tamp that down a lot because you only have xanatars, Tashas, and the player's handbook. By this time in the age of the game, you had in Splat Books, what do you think, Jay? There would have been about 20 or 30 different splat books to pull. pull, pull, Yeah. I mean, there's still more books
0: than, I mean, not necessarily splat books, but you get every, every adventure book has like new classes, new spells, new things like that, that you can add. So, I mean, there's still a lot of source books now in 5e that, that
1: you can... Uh, play from but uh, they're, the consciously, come- they're consciously they're yeah. consciously trying not to do that they did not yeah. they never did the splat book on 5e they never did here's your fighter yeah. book here's yeah. your wizard totally. book like they did with every other line
0: yeah and and i think yeah. that the Unearthed arcana they're doing it right they're saying like hey here are these cool classes that you can do as a as a um as like a, a ranger like here's a cool class that you can do as a construct type thing you know and so um that's good. But then it may also the way that they're doing it also makes it easy for the GM to say like, we are not doing an Arthur Con. So if you, if you do something from there that gets, we're not doing that in our book. And the other
1: thing is, is they've given it away for free and that helps a lot because then you don't put the GM in the position of, Oh, do I have to go just buy everything when
0: everything comes out all the time? Mm Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So my next one, let's see, what do I have on my list here? um okay oh yes this is this is the one that prompted um this topic in my mind um i really especially in D D, I i hate spell components okay like yeah. you know you're like oh you want to cast that spell do you have a little bit of fire moss that's in your pouch mm-hmm. because if you don't then you can't cast that spell you know and you're like oh seriously right now like yeah. you know and and the thing is is that what like the worst part about this compo- this thing of d d is that nobody looks at the spell components because nobody actually uses them or plays them. And so it's a mechanic that's in the game that is just kind of in the way at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of in the way. And it's like every and here's when it pops up. You never ask to use spell components when you're casting fireball. You never ask for spell components when you're, you know, um asking to um do like raise the dead or so or not raise the dead to do like um uh you know death no kn- death toll or whatever it is like you know you've got all of these chromatic orb You're, you never get asked that you always get asked if you have components when you want to do resurrection yeah because your friend's dead you know yeah. the spell and they're like do you have 300 gold pieces worth of diamonds in your pocket yeah because if you don't you can't resurrect them you know like that's like and so it ends up becoming this like Seriously, we haven't been playing like spell components this entire game. And now you're asking me about this, you know? and Right. Or guess- you, ha-
1: you have a guy who multi-classes to get an arcane focus. Yep. And then they're like, oh, I have an arcane focus. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Which is like mm-hmm. most of the magic users have arcane fo- foci. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's one area of this that I you know it's it's not spell components but it's in that same category when you qual- when you look at a spell's stat block and that is the uh, somatic. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. I like because you can That's like true. if your hands are tied you can say you can't cast that spell because that spell yeah. is a right. hand wavy. You've one. got a
0: you've got a warhammer in one hand and a shield in the other how are you yeah. supposed to Yeah. do it you know. That but I like I, but
2: I'm I'm with you on components and I think another that translates also to like bullets and ammo's and sure. more science fiction ones. Yeah. Um, I actually do like tracking ammo at a macro level, like how many mm-hmm. clips do you have, yeah, but not sure. at the bullet level,
1: right? And in some games, it's like a bad thing, like a rolling a threat, yeah. In rolling, Star a War, rolling a threat in Star Wars. Oh, you just ran out of ammo. Oh, okay, yeah. and they have they have talents and stuff that allow you to avoid. avoid yeah. you know, you can counteract that with again another game yeah.
2: mechanic. That's where the macro tracking comes in. I think that it can be fun from a, a story kind of mechanics standpoint at the macro with like you said but if you try to just all right how many bullets do you have all right let's you know let's buy bullets before we go into battle it's just uh, you're playing a simulation
0: (laughs) and did you know organ trail i need 500 bullets
3: yeah Yeah. (laughs) three bags of salt
2: did you
1: guys notice in the movie that nobody tracked nobody was doing components there was no magic user components for anything for any, the red wizards were not using components. Nobody was using components mm. in the Hollywood movie. So I'm like, well, that looks like mm. it has a D&D logo on it. That's the equivalent of a rule book. <laughs> we're going with that. Mm. Yeah. All right, the next one is loosely connected to dodge rolls. <sighs> it's very similar, but it's a little different. It's when the accuracy of your shot and your damage roll are not connected in any way. So you roll a super high, awesome, accurate hit. And then you're like, oh, well, now roll a 1d4 damage. Well, you only did 1d4 damage. Now, D&D compensates for this a little bit with a critical hit. But Mm -hmm. if you're blowing through somebody's armor class by 10 points, it doesn't have any material effect on how much damage you do. So I like an RPG system where accuracy always translates into more damage every time or something special or, or, or it has to have meaning. There's nothing more. It's like the dodge roll thing. It's demoralizing to be like, yeah, I really nailed that. And then you're like, womp, womp, he chugs off your damage. Alien Um,
2: mechanic uh, handles this in a good way, right? Because in the free league um, system, you're just rolling d6s and looking, fishing for sixes, right? So if if you're better at something because whether you have an optimized gun or you have a skill in it you're rolling more d6s all you need is one 6 to hit and do the base damage every additional 6 is a stunt that you can use to do things such as add additional damage or or just other story based things so it's like if you get more 6s because you had a better shot or because you rolled better and you effectively shot better it does more damage to the it gives you it, it yeah. gives you something it gives you something back yeah. for being better
1: yeah. No one no one ever complains when you barely make a shot and then you roll huge damage. No one ever complains yeah. about that. Right? <laughs> like, oh, you yeah. just you eked it out. You you know, you got the exact lowest number possible. And oh well, you rolled amazing on damage, and now he lo- lo- flies over dead.
3: That's, that's like, like David, David. David versus and Goliath. Goliath. David and Goliath. <laughs>
1: Everybody's like, Woo, awesome. No one likes to see a player get hit like that, even though that's possible. It does happen yeah. occasionally. But yeah, I, it I do more often see this. than
2: Earth Don. <laughs> uh, so i think that it's an interesting yeah it's an interesting topic of discussion and we don't need to hang out too much on but you know the the whole concept of armor class in a D and other yeah. systems right it's it's just supposed to represent your ability to get through their armor yeah. um combined together right? which is why D they have feats like dodges feats and things like that but it's it's yeah. supposed to represent like it's supposed to be a macro view. Like it's a combination of their ability to move, to move out of the way, chink off of their armor, mm. like all that stuff. So is there really like, is there really a better, besides a crit, is there really a better hit? Or is every hit a normal hit? Yeah. Unless you're doing
1: location, plus. like what we were doing in, what was the playtest we did? Was that Freely Press? Oh, Rune up. Quest. Rune Quest was like, oh, well, you hit. This piece of armor, you get hit there again, there's nothing there. It's going to come yeah, That was a martial you know, combat style. Martial game. combat yeah. style. That's a lot more Yeah, it's it's tough. As much as you aggregate it, you also make it harder to to, yeah. to make it useful from a story point of view. I I just want okay. a good hit yeah. to be a I want a good hit to be a good hit and a bad hit to be a to, a miss is a miss and a hit is a hit and an awesome hit should really knock the bad guy down, not annoy the bad guy. All right, next, who's
2: next? Jay. I'm next. I think uh, my next one is class-specific mechanics and rules mm. annoy me. Um, they put oh. a lot of they put a lot of burden on the GM, but they yeah. also they also um, uh, create a cultural barrier between you and your other players at the table who aren't playing your class. Yeah. So you know, when you play together and you all use a common mechanic system, regardless of what your classes are, like to roll to attack is always the same. To dodge is, you know, whatever, is always the same. To do this is always the same. You just do it, you know, you do it uh, in a lore perspective differently based off of what your class is and what you're trying to do. But when you have a class-specific rule that only applies to that class and it has mechanics only around that class, you've kind of isolated yourself from the players around you and actually playing the game. You're almost playing a little bit of a different game. Your own game. Your own game.
1: One of my annoyances that uh, I put on the list was the opposite of that, which is everybody is doing the same generic thing over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. So I think there's a balance in there. Like if you totally don't have a balance. if you don't have talents or feats or special abilities or anything that lets you, lets you tweak a rule, then it's like you shoot a blaster. What's your blaster skill? It's five dice. Pick up five dice. Roll five dice. You're shooting that stormtrooper. That stormtrooper has a three dice dodge. That's your difficulty. I rolled three over and over and over and over and over again. That becomes like mind numbing in a way it, it
2: does and i think that's where uh, you know that's where you mix things up by having not have everybody be a soldier uh so that you know the, in combat you're doing different things well i'm going to try to shoot the dude because that's just what i was trained to do in life it's like well i'm a you know i'm an infiltrator like i'm not going to just try to shoot that guy i'm going to try to sneak around and do something else so you know but the mechanics are can be similar the mechanics can be the same but the classes and the backgrounds of the characters had them react differently in a situation using the exact same rule sets to flavor up the thing versus as a, the worst example is a Decker in shadow run yeah, uh, I mean, where it is a hundred percent, a completely different game. I mean, the yeah, game, like, a like, mini all right, game, I'm going to shoot. Okay. I'm going to do this. Okay. I want to hack his, his data pad. Okay. Everybody go take a break. We're going to work on the decker. You guys go get a pizza. We'll yeah, be back, you know, come back in ten minutes and we'll figure this hacking thing out. Yeah,
1: I was doing that in Shadows of the Beanstalk. Genesis, Genesis tries to pour a lot of water on that, but it's still kind of the same thing. You're still off doing your own magical world, and everybody yeah. else is twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's
0: that's hard. That's a that's a hard balance right there, right? Because there are like mechanics you got to do, but still, though. Um, That's I'm glad you gave an example, Jason, because I was trying to think of one, and as soon as you mentioned Shadowrun, I was like, oh yes, that's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another,
2: I think it's okay to have some. Another one which may be tricky is um, the weird magic with uh, in D and D with the uh, what are the not not the is it the, the warlord sorcerer the sorcerer, sorcerer yeah has right? wild magic or wild something. magic yeah wild magic right and uh, that one's not as intrusive but it right. is an example of something that has to be tracked a little separately that uh, you could forget about and and then and then there's always the question if i if i don't incorporate this am i breaking the balance of that class of the game yeah yeah but anyways all right
3: what about That's you Justin? One.
0: let's see um my last one, actually, I wrote one down. I might have four I might have four tonight, depending on how things go. But um, I'm going back to D. Um, I realized did I do through all three D&D ones? Uh mm-hmm. nope, no, the did. first but one was do... a dodge roll. Okay. No, dodge that's right. that's okay. All right. So uh my next one is a D one. I really dislike inspiration. Really? Um, yeah, I don't, like it. I don't really? like it.
3: Yeah, I don't like okay. it because um I don't
0: I don't like inspiration because like while I love good role play, I feel like the GM's discretion on handing it out can seem very arbitrary. Yeah, Somebody may feel like they're doing awesome role play and the GM's like, okay, that's nice. And then somebody else is doing good role play and you're like, that is hundred percent on the money. I'm giving you inspiration. And really what it's saying is that your role play is aligning with my vision of this game right now. And so therefore I'm giving you a point of, of good role play. And um, then you can use that for something else. I think it ends up being like, um, I don't know, it, when I hand out inspiration, I I have to I feel like I have to be very cognizant that I'm not playing favorites. I was gonna um, say that favoritism,
1: you know, yeah, it breeds it can breed favoritism. Yeah. Okay, or if there's about- a, if there's a player that's kicking a lot of butt, you don't give that guy inspiration because you have to like throw a bone to people who are mm. who are not yeah. kicking butt and it's like well what when is my i mean mm. i played in a yeah. campaign for a year without getting one inspiration once
2: yeah
3: so D&D, let me of dd yeah. Let me
2: break it into two separate, so I can see where your actual concern is. There is the the mechanic of inspiration, which lets you roll two d20s and take the higher. And then there is the mechanic of the GM being able to distribute that allows Correct. you to do that. Yes. Which one of the? Do you have an issue it's, with both? It's, or
0: no? I don't. I I have no issue with somebody taking advantage every now and then. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like um, or you know, rolling advantage every now and now and then, like that, because that that mechanic is also built into the game elsewhere, like. You know, the rogue can get um, advantage when they perform their Mm actions, you know, like that's fine. That's fine. fine. Yeah. So the the, you know, the the mechanic and you can also get advantage by flanking. You know, I know that's kind of there's lots of ways to get advantage, which. Yeah, exactly. So I don't I think it and it's common enough that like having somebody roll advantage every once in a while isn't going to break the game at all you know what i mean um and they did the, the ma-
1: they did the math rolling in advantage is equivalent of a plus 5 bonus
0: yeah so i it's not that it's the distribution of it um that i feel is puts the dm and the players in sometimes a weird transactional yeah. state of where they're trying to be like do i get inspiration now like i i i i i, I clapped my seal flappers well enough for you do i get <laughs> yeah. you know do i get inspiration now you know? and you're like no fish for you you know and but this guy over here he gets some you know and so that's that's where my concern is with or in in
1: or. one case i was being punished for things i did as a gm in another game in another system oh yeah <laughs> by Thanks. another gm is like no i'm not going to hand this to you because one time, I didn't like your call against me, <laughs> yeah. and we don't have to identify who that was. But Dude, we, lo- we, play we the still, hand we're dealt, Dan. We still <laughs> game with all these friends. We're all still friends, but that literally was a, a thing. That was yeah. one of the reasons why I was being barred from inspiration. Mm. Yeah,
0: I'm not That's joking. So. so yeah, I just I don't like I don't like um, I don't like the I don't like inspiration as a me- as a mechanic in the game of and it's primarily driven by. How it is distributed, and it's very um subjective, very, very subjective.
1: On the Grr, challenge. We're so grouchy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Arr. Arr. This, is, this is me shaking my fist. My RPG
1: lawn.
0: <laughs> All right, who's up next? Dan, uh, I think you'd have a nice Dan. one.
1: Me. And this is uh I hate very slow, non-existent character advancement. I find it tedious, I find it boring. I think the whole point is to ro- get make sure that the characters grow in meaningful ways. And I think like game designers want everybody to play their game for like every Wednesday for two years straight. And they want to inch up your character advancement. And it also mm. makes life easier on the GM. But as a player and as a GM, I'd rather see character advancement. I'd rather see that's, there's something fun about making your character more awesome because you went on the adventure. The The worst offender is Star Trek uh, adventures. You guys haven't played that one over multiple sessions, that one's like, well, you have like six basic attributes. You can move one point from one and take what take it down and plus it up on another one. I'm like, that's just like the worst. It's like <laughs> to get a plus one on a basic attribute is like, whoa, whoa, that's only going to happen once in a blue moon. And like uh, I liked some of it because it was based on things that happened during that adventure. You could write something down and that would help you get kind of a, a a teeny edge bonus. You're like, "Oh, remember when this happened? Therefore, next time I roll that, maybe I get a teeny tiny thing later." But man, I super hate crappy advancement. I we do not we play too many games that net we never fully play the whole game because we never get to the we never get to the back nine of the golf course ever. Yeah. Every RPG, we always play the first four holes of the course and then we're like, "I guess we're done and bored." Let's go do another course. We never fully push the game to where it could or should be.
2: So I gotta share this. This is from Hell Knight, right? Hell Knight. Yeah. Survive
1: so. survive character advancement. <laughs> yeah. So the
2: Hell Knight, right? This is the game we we talked yeah. about, right? That uh uh little like zine thing. I love it. it character advancement. Him. If you need to, if you need levels, please visit your nearest arcade. <laughs>
3: Get bigger guns dude <laughs> i love what it says
0: people don't improve it's scratched out not yeah. even in hell scratched out yeah uh, <laughs> that is the says, exact opposite yeah
2: yeah a pat on the back well done now go bring me a beer this is like what the gn says if you want to level up right but this game i think it depends on the game uh, yeah but you know not every not every game is built uh, well, is built if you're, for level advancement, but most of them are. Most role-playing games yeah, are yeah. absolutely built for character advancement. If and you're playing a
1: disposable character, of course, it's like, oh, uh, I died three times. I played three guys in one session. Right. That's then you want character creation to be awesome. Yeah. You want character creation to be awesome and powerful, short, quick, and dangerous. So um,
0: it's it's funny you mentioned this because I was just thinking about the Call of Cthulhu character advancement which is a little rough to be honest with you. But again, you got to kind of think about it in the system that it is, which is these are regular people. And I think it kind of follows the same sentiment of hell Knight, which is people don't advance like that, right? Like they Mm -hmm. don't all of a sudden like unlock new magical powers. Um, So in Cthulhu, if you successfully used one of your skills that you have, and there's like, you know, 30 of them in the game, you make a check bar check next on in the box next to that skill yeah. At the end of the game, you take that skill and let's say I have a twenty-five percent in driving, but I successfully drove a van. Right at the end of the game, I can roll my percentile dice as long as it's over that twenty-five, yeah. not under, but over that twenty-five.
1: I get to increase that skill by D three. See, you know, I, I'm and okay so, with that because you're yeah. th- you're going to get um, you're going to get rewarded for doing a thing, and you're going to be rewarded quickly. Yeah. Um but like
0: still
1: some, though like the the well, level up is like 1%. I, I I hate like going, I hate 1 going to going 3%. For like, yeah. <laughs> right. I hate going for like five adventures to get to level 2 or level 3. Sure. It's like wow. Yeah. And I don't like how swingy, I don't know that's the wrong word. It's like I was crappy yesterday and now I'm today cuz I got that extra 5 XP and suddenly yeah. now I'm now I'm more lethal. That kind of, that goes along with it. I, I am too generous as a GM on XP. I'm so generous. Um, like we do their West Marches thing. You guys have kind of fallen off of yeah. that. And we have rules about how much XP I'm allowed to give out. I chafe underneath <laughs> them because in my games, I'm going to give everybody more XP because more XP is more fun. And we're like, oh, well, what if everybody's too dangerous? So what? We'll be making new characters in another system, you know, in three months. Who gives a crap? Make the game fun. So I'm. I I am. I am a massive offender when it comes to doling out XP like candy. And you know what? Everyone's always happier after a session, after you've given out more XP. Everyone leaves happier. Womp womp.
2: Here's it. some candy.
1: Do it. Yeah. Exactly. It's worth it every time.
3: <laughs>
2: All right. Yeah. Who's next? Mine. I think. Uh... This one is one of those, not that I hate, but that I don't really like. And that is the swinginess of D20. Hmm. I think D20 can be extremely swingy. Um, You can have a guy who's super, super awesome. He's a trained fighter. He's been fighting for 30 years right, with this same sword for 30 years. And roll three on a D20. He can bounce it on his pinky. And you get five bad rolls in a row. And And it's like... This this it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it yeah. doesn't make sense, and you can you can you can always and you should you should always play with it in story and be like you know maybe maybe you slept on a rock last night you know or something like that or or, or but it sometimes it can be so swingy it just doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah. and it can be really frustrating. Or uh, you pop all
1: your your natural twenties on things that don't matter. Or, oh, I rolled a twenty. Oh, yeah. that was on a skill. It doesn't. You don't get anything yeah. out of that. I'm like, oh well, suck. This sucks.
2: Yeah. Or you have. You have, uh, you know, you have an enemies that are little peons that just happen to roll crits and maybe you roll two crits in a row and you take out like three like seasoned veteran guards. It's like it can be really swingy. Now that goes the other way can go really bad, right? If you make it such that the game is not swingy, has a very, you know, wide curve. Then it then it then it gets a little washed down at times yeah. and a little little less epic. There's less epic comment, and I think that's one reason why people do like the swinging of d twenty systems is it makes for those really epic moments when it does swing crazy the other direction. So it just depends on what you want, but I like a little bit more of a f- a little flatter, but that's me. What do it does you... is is it inspires
1: now. people to do min maxing on character building mm-hmm. where they have yeah. this plus two and that plus two and that plus one. And it incentivizes a certain kind of behavior where you're compensating for this, the that you're compensating for the variance of the die by, yeah. by, by min-maxing. I'm sorry, yeah. Justin, go ahead. No,
0: no, it's true. Do you, uh, 100% right there, Dan, Um, I think that, that the system incentivizes the min-max, 100% mm-hmm. true. Um, do you feel like a D100 system is less swingy than a D20?
2: Um, I think by definition, it is less swingy, yeah, but uh, because there's a much larger range of uh, of uh, values inside of the uh, you know inside of the space, sure uh, sample space. Uh, yeah, it's really yeah. a
1: secret d10 system, yeah, right mm-hmm. and and so it's kind of easier to get a get a hold of the higher numbers,
2: yeah.
0: Um the other the other question that I had was to um, run some
2: stats on that, but yeah, no, anyways. (laughs) I I feel like I've I've never felt the crazy swinginess in a D one hundred that I have in a D20 system.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And there are ways to adjust that D one hundred that I think that um you don't get in a D20. For example, if you are um fighting in the mud, um, on a hill, against an opponent, right? Yeah. Um, in a D100 game, it, well, you can no. adjust the target yeah. that you are rolling to make it harder, right? Um, and say, same thing with your opponent. Maybe it's harder for them to hit you as well. Um, but in a D20, like d d you don't have that in combat. You can adjust the the uh, the DC, of of your target for
1: skill checks.
3: Yeah. Right. Give less but, granularity.
2: Uh, yeah. Exactly. You have one over twenty versus one over one hundred, right? What you right.
1: what you're looking at on a D one hundred is you're really measuring the first digit and mm-hmm. the second digit is just a tiebreaker. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um,
0: so also the follow up question that I also had for you, Jason, is what are some systems that doesn't feel as swingy for you?
2: Uh the free league. Okay. Game system does the not. year zero system. Yeah, the year zero because you're adding. You already know how well you're going to do on the roll based on how many d6 you can throw in. Uh huh. And you only need one six on all of those to succeed. Right. Whatever you're trying to do, all the others just give you extra stuff you can do for story wise. Right. Right. So I think I think it has a much less swingy. And there's probably math nerds that are running the things, but yeah. based on just the feel of the game, I think the year zero system is uh, much less swingy and that year zero is not the only game system that has done that based off of right. just adding D sixes to your pool and fishing for sometimes a five and a six. Right.
1: Yeah. My answer to that question is, is anytime you're, you're mixing and matching different die values together and adding that, adding those values together for a result, uh-huh. that is the opposite of swingy. Yeah. Even yep. if you're pairing a D four with a 20, that is more fun than a D 20 by itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Cortex system did that.
1: Yeah, and so there's uh, die, yeah. there's die steps, but when you're mixing different things together, maybe you're picking up three D fours and one D ten. For me, anytime you anytime you have a wild probability curve, that yeah. means something more interesting is going to happen. Than a and
0: that, I think um, Shadow of the Demon Lord right had the Banes and Boon system. That Mm -hmm. um, could affect your D twenty roll, just as you're talking about, Dan. But I also think that it gets to like you look at the narrative dice of Star Wars, and you start throwing in blacks and blues, and you know different things like that, that.
1: What that does is is that's exactly what I'm talking about, where you have lots of different. And on every face, you're not just doing numbers. There's symbols. Right. You know, you can have a double symbol on a D6 and a blank on a D D eight. You know, it's all over the place. It's right. that's actually pushed to the max. And there's three different angles of succeeding. There's three vectors of success on every die roll you pick up. There's right. did you did you basically succeed? Did you generate threat or advantage? And did you triumph or despair? And you have to answer three questions just by picking up those dice and rolling. Yeah. So that's all the way on the other side. If, if that sounds like fun, and I think it's fun because I enjoy that, go yeah. that way. It is not a simple way to adjudicate dice. It is a yeah. complex way. I um, think maybe
2: just adding more than one dice when you do a skill roll. Sure, sure. You know, like with the 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 year zero, it's you're just adding a bunch of D6s. Yep, yep, yep. And
1: that works too. That works too. Yeah. That works too. Cool. Anyways, um, that was yeah. my last one. Cool. I I
0: have one kind of honorable mention that I wanna that I want to talk about, and it's it's not so, so much a mechanic as it is I think game design. But I really really hate boring weapon stats. Like I hate that like a uh, like a sword and a club and a spear and a uh, halberd and like a you know a a billy club all are like one d six. Yep, that's like, all it You is. know what I mean? And you're just like, okay, so it doesn't matter what I'm carrying, it's the same damage profile or same hit thing. Like oh it's bludgeoning. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, piercing. Exactly. Give me give me a little bit of flavor. Like this, yeah. you know, like you know, I I don't know. Just give me a little bit of flavor. Like I want something that like a spear should be able to have like maybe extra defense. It adds to your AC or I don't know. Like I just it it really annoys me when I, I go through these weapon tables and I'm like Okay, well, why does the spear cost five gold and the sword is seven gold? But they're literally the same stats on the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so stupid. So um one's piercing I, I like, and one's
2: slashing. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And you're like, okay. I mean, and, and to yeah. be fair, like that is something that adds to it, but the problem is, is I don't think that a lot of people play a lot of people ignore that. And it, they ignore yeah. it, even though like monster stats do have like immunities and vulnerabilities and stuff like
1: that.
2: It so. really, I feel like that really only comes up with skeletons.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're a monster manual geek, this is the yeah. other thing. It, re- it rewards bad behavior mm-hmm. because if you are a player and you buy the monster manual and you start memorizing who's vulnerable to what.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, which is a metagame tactic that yeah. freaking yeah. works. And you're like, no, no, no. This time I'm going to use my rapier. Why? It does less damage. No reason. Yeah, right. It's you guys, faster in my hand.
0: Yeah.
2: Do you get. Uh, do you remember the gamers, Dorkness Rising? Yeah. Where yeah, yeah, where yeah. the guy's like, he's quizzing his friend. They've got like the monster manual. He like, flips through and he says, <laughs> one of the guys like, uh, resilient to blah, 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 blah. Like they're like <laughs> trying to memorize the monster yeah. manual.
1: That's based in reality. That's yep. based in reality. Yep. You know, I had my my 12 year old nephew come up to me and say, "We well, he had the monster manual in his head, he says, what's the most dangerous monster in the monster manual? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, he pulled it up. He told me about all the armor class and, and all the attacks. I was like, dude, <laughs> you're never going to fight that monster. And if you throw that monster at a player and you're GMing, you're yeah. a bad, you're a bad person. 12 yeah. year old <laughs> child. You're a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So
0: anyway, that, um, uh, do you guys have any other ones that you want to send out as an honorable
1: mention? I just love Jeffrey. Jeffrey, if you're listening, I was just kidding. You're not a bad person. <laughs> you're a great kid. I'm glad you're into D&D. And I'm glad you run D&D for kids younger than you. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Awesome. I think sometimes I struggle with um, healing mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like, you know, in a lot of systems, when it does come time to heal, everyone's like, hey, let's do some healing. And everyone's got to get their books out. And they're like, how do we heal again? How yeah. do we heal? How does healing work? Okay, wait, if I rest for six hours, I get one hit point, but i rest for eight hours yeah. two more hours i'll get 12 you know right or, yeah and then there's a lot of hand waving by gms it's like okay the next day is like well what about our hit points and our endurance and exhaustion is like oh you're all back to normal let's just you know yeah. get back to yeah. normal um the
0: other the other funny thing too is it's like drinking a potion in combat i think it's hilarious <laughs> wait like, a minute wait the, a minute Thought of it right like hold on <laughs> stop attacking me so shadow
2: the demon lord okay. did that well <laughs> because the potion didn't take effect until the bottom of the round right yeah. i thought that so i thought that was a good counter to that it's
1: still kind of ridiculous it's still
0: kind of funny that you're going to stop in the middle of combat and be like hold on I, I just i need to take a sip of this potion here
1: okay yeah. I, have a, I have a star wars moment okay the the stim pack was introduced in the ffg star wars game uh-huh it didn't exist in any of the games it didn't exist in the lore they put it in the game and it's like an incidental it's almost nothing to give yourself like Five extra yeah. hit points in an emergency. But if you do another one, it's worth four. And then another one is three, two, one. So they showed a Stimpak in Andor. In a critical uh, moment, this guy was out cold, on his back, about to die. They're like, we need to give him a stim pack," And it was this huge, dramatic moment. And they shoved it in his chest. And he stood up and he did what he had to do. And then he laid back down and died, which was kind of like what we had in the game it made me happy that something from the rpg made it in, made its way into the screen that was all that's all yeah. that always brings me infinite joy but it just shows the ridiculousness of that game mechanic which is everybody's running around shooting blasters around a corner grabbing a pack and jamming it in their thigh as an incidental when yeah. in the show it was like everybody gathered around to do the stimpack. <laughs> so anyway yeah. I thought that that that, mm. that brought me some level of amusement um, in Andor, mm. but man, when RPG stuff makes its way on screen, oh, I'm sitting yeah. six inches off my couch. That is yeah. nothing but pure joy for me. So, for sure. Well, yeah. our listeners, uh, thank you for
0: uh, sticking with us for an hour and fifteen minutes. Normally, uh, this is a shorter episode than normal. But what mechanics don't you like? Uh, do you agree with some of what we had said here tonight, or are you um are you do you like inspiration do you like uh the dodge roll that type of thing or are there other things that irk you a little bit more and wish that never existed so let us know everybody's got their opinion and um they're all pretty much worth the same so you know it's great uh yeah so thank you guys so much for listening tonight though we we definitely appreciate that and um as always we will see you on the tables have a great night everybody Thanks. Bye-bye.